Hello and welcome back to the Tennis Fanalist podcast, where the sun sets in Munich and Estoril, it rises in Madrid, hence the relentless nature of the ATP Tour. I'm Marcus Ali and joining me in enjoying this coverage is Michael Gillett down in Bournemouth. A nice little escape, I think, from some finishing line degree stress levels. Yeah, would say down in sunny Bournemouth, but uh, very, very windy and wet yesterday, unfortunately. Um, yeah, of course, nice distraction. Uh, but I really like Madrid. Love the clay court masters, and um, yeah, really looking forward to to this tournament. Yeah, just to kick off with Madrid, and we'll we'll give our. Uh, predictions a little bit later in the episode but obviously Rafael Nadal comes in as a strong favourite any clay court tournament in the world that he enters he tends to command that top seed and that favourite tag straight away Um, but obviously we've got the likes of Dominic Team coming back from injury you know we got no Novak Djokovic but I feel like uh, Dominic Team coming back from injury to play this tournament might make up for the loss of the the talent in the field and the the aura of of Novak Djokovic. We've also got those two up and coming players in Yannick Sinner and 27 year old up and coming player Aslan Karatsev in the draw. So definitely plenty to be excited about. I know we've both predicted for just a little spoiler Daniil Medvedev to go out a little bit early. Um, this this is just one thing that I think I I maybe might have written him off a little bit too soon. Um, obviously he's he's struggled on the on the clay courts in recent years, but I think so obviously having never won a match at the French Open and and currently sitting at number three in the world does feel a, a little bit strange. I'm not so sure we've experienced that before in in our time and we've been monitoring the the rankings in the tour. But just a little uh, expectations and uh, on Daniil Medvedev. Uh, obviously, he's got nothing to lose when it comes in, in terms of the French. But these these lower ranking events, do you expect him to hold his own? Obviously, um, you know we, we expect him to have a tough time. But do you think do you think he can grab the ball by the horns and do well in Madrid? Uh, not really. Um, maybe writing him off a bit too soon, as you say. But he's got a very tough part of the draw. Uh, a second round against. Uh, Either Davidovich Fakina, who looked really impressive in the last couple of weeks, a young Spanish player, or um, uh, a bear of, of France, who's also had a, a decent start to the year. Um, providing Medvedev gets through that, which I think we both backed Medvedev to get through that, he's got a potential third round match against Christian Garin, um, the, the, the player uh, from Chile who's won countless titles on a clay court, more at 250 level, but uh, is much more comfortable on a clay court than, than Daniel Medvedev is. And if Medvedev wants to get through that, it's a potential uh, third round, that would be. Uh, oh, no, sorry, fourth round against uh, Matteo Berrettini or Fabio Fanini in that part of the draw. Um, also, Del Bonis coming through last night against... Uh, Pablo Crenia Busta, so, you know, there's three players there who are much more comfortable on a clay court than, than Daniel Medvedev. So I, I really couldn't see Daniel Medvedev getting through all three of those matches. And, and if he does, I'd, I'd be very, very impressed. Yeah, Aber actually, who you mentioned he could face in, in his first match, actually has beaten him at, at the French Open before. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough one, I'm sure. He might enjoy the, the pressure being off a little bit. We saw a big server in John Isner beat Miamir Ketchmanovic yesterday, which came as a little bit of a surprise to me. Um, so maybe if Medvedev can can get that serve going, it still might 
might uh, pay off on the clay court. But we're going to start with a little recap of the two 250 event tournaments last week. Uh, we're going to start in Munich. And this one ended with a rather condensed uh, schedule, as, as we mentioned last episode. Nikolas Basilashvili came through a, a test against Norbert Gombos and Kasper Ruud on the same day. Uh, to set up a final with Janelle Struff, who, of course, knocked out the conqueror of, of uh, Alexander Zverev, Ilya Avashka, in the semi-final. Uh, the Georgian player was able to earn his fourth or fifth title, I think, of his career. I think it's his fifth. And, uh, yeah, and and get the straight sets win 6-4, 7-6 over Struff, who was in his first ATP Tour final, which I haven't really done too much background research into it, but for a player that sustained a ranking inside, you know, the top sort of between 30 and 45 consistently is a bit of a surprise to, to, to learn that before that, uh, before last week, he'd never made a, a final, even at 250 level. So, um, you know, maybe a little bit of a shame not to see Struff to take the title, but Basil Ashley, the 29 year old adds another one to his cabinet and continues an up and down year, but one that's earned him two titles already. Yeah, really impressive from Basil Ashley, a player who, you know, I have to hold my hands up. I have written off a little bit this year and he's he's certainly proved me wrong. His record in finals is five and two. Um, really impressive record, actually, because I, I don't know how many of those finals he would have gone in as the higher ranked favourite player. But I would assume not many. Um, I would assume that at least half of those finals he's, he's come in against players ranked higher than, the, than him. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, Jan Landestruff, it really is a, a, a baffling statistic, actually. That, uh, that was his first final. He's got a, a career high of 29, which came uh, August last year, uh, which surprised me a little bit that he reached his career high last year. I don't really remember him doing that well last year, but then maybe that's the thing with Struff. He never really has really big runs. It's just sort of about how many sort of consistent runs to quarterfinals and maybe the odd semi-final uh, he can have. Um, so, yeah, we, we've talked in the past about the likes of Gilles Simon, uh, David Goffin, sort of never really wowing, but just sort of getting to their rankings by just sort of grinding every week and, and, and getting the wins against the players they should be getting the wins against. And um, But perhaps Yannana Struff is, is just a pinnacle example of that. Um, Philip Kohlschreiber, another one that, that comes into mind back, back in the day when he was a, a, a top top 40 player. Um, this match had a 30-minute interruption due to rain. I think Basil Ashby's semi-final with Rude also had an interruption due to rain. Um, and the fact that he didn't drop a set the whole tournament, uh, despite having those close matches together, um, and the, the loads of rain interruptions that he had to face, uh, not to drop a set, is, is really, really impressive. And um, I think, I think did you say he's for, uh, 29? So um, I think, you know, it's, it's interesting as to maybe where he can push from now. I'm, I haven't actually looked to see where this uh, result gets him in the rankings. You might have that on, on your notes, but um, 31, um, Marcus is pointing. Um, yeah, so perhaps um, we could see him really try and make a, a, a run for that top 20. I think it's a big ask. Personally, I'm, I'm still not convinced he would get there. Uh, maybe I'm written him off a little bit too much of recent. Uh, and if he can keep the form up that he's showing 
this year. Um, I think it was either Dubai or Doha that he won prior to this tournament. Um, you know, it's, the thing's looking really good for the Georgian. Yeah, I think the draw did suit him. I think apart from Alexander Zverev, of course, at the top of the draw, it wasn't the best field that we've seen for a, for a 250 in the last month or so. And I think that did play into his favour a little bit. And uh, speaking about top 20, you probably need to do better at tournaments of higher rank than 250 to, to break in there. He needs to sort of transfer that onto 500 level. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether he can do that. Obviously, strong on both the clay and the hard courts, which um, will stand in, in good stead as the year progresses. Um, but on to Estoril. And uh, as British tennis fans, I think we can say that another Brit did us proud on on the clay courts. You know, we weren't really expecting too much from Dan Evans and Cameron Norrie moving into the clay court season. But Evans has uh, made the semi-final, I think it was, in the, in the Monte Carlo Masters, maybe the quarters, beating Novak Djokovic along the way. And uh, Cameron Norrie here has made the final of Estoril, sadly losing to very experienced campaigner Albert Ramos Vinolas, four six six three seven six. The Spaniard got the win, and it you know it was a really gritty match. Um, you know, no fans in in, in the ground. Estoril made it maybe a little bit even more tense for that final set uh, tie break. But Norrie, you know, he only moves up two places in the rankings, going from fifty to forty eight, despite making a final. But certainly there's there's reasons to be cheerful and optimistic for us that we know that he can mix it all year round now. I don't think he's, you know, this this must be the best clay court form of his career. And to test the player, I really like Ramos Vinolas and, and run him as close as he did. Definitely speaks volumes to the improvement that we've seen from him as a player. Obviously got the big win over Christian Garin uh, in the quarterfinal of Estoril, which is possibly the biggest clay court scalp of his career. Um, so yeah, re- feeling really good about Norrie despite the defeat, and uh, obviously Ramos Vinolas continues to be a maybe a little thorn in the side of our predictions. Um, we we both deserve a little pat on the back. We had him to get to the final, um, but yeah, so so Ramos Vinolas takes another title. But I think Cameron Norrie, we should definitely feel a, a lot more optimistic about his fortunes going into the rest of the year. And you know, he's ticked that clay court box um, in terms of where his career is going to go from here. Yeah, really encouraging for, for Cam Norrie, as you say, just showing that he, he can perform on, on pretty much all surfaces, I think. I'm not too sure what his grass court game is uh, is like. I'm not sure um, if he's ever really had a run at Wimbledon so much. But uh, certainly on the hard courts and, and now, as we're seeing on the clay, uh, it's, it's really impressive. Uh, and Ramos Vinolas uh, is, is a veteran of the, the clay courts. Um, only 33 years old, actually, which surprised me. I thought uh, Ramos Vinolas was a little bit um, older than that. This match nearly going on three hours. Uh, so a real test for Ramos Vinolas, who's got quite a few more years um, worth of baggage to, to carry than, than Cameron Norrie does. And to win that in a final set tiebreak is, is really impressive. It's actually only Ramos's third ATP Tour title uh, on... Oh, actually, no, sorry. that's I was about to say third ATP Tour title on clay, which uh, that's not true. It's his third ATP Tour title uh, in Estoril, um, winning it for the third time. Um, so, you know, obviously a tournament that Ramos and Olas really enjoys and... and uh, does well at so that's even more credit to Cam Norrie to um, 
to take him so far. He's he owns uh, seven clay court titles, uh, Ramos and all that. So um, you know it's uh, um, really impressive. Oh, no, sorry, that's uh, seven uh, clay court victories, which is actually more than any other player on the ATP tour this season. Um, obviously, that will be a little bit biased by the fact he's probably played a bit more. Um, Rafa probably has says has something to say about that. Um, but yeah, no, just really impressive um, from from both players. Um, and even though Ramos Vinales comes out the the winner, I would say Cam Norrie for me is was definitely the most uh, impressive player of the tournament. And it'll be interesting to see where he can go on from here if he gets a a nice draw at the French Open. It'll be great to see a Brit. Uh, going maybe as far as the fourth round uh, at the French Open, which you certainly wouldn't write off him being able to do. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure that's where uh, Norrie will be looking towards now, particularly being able to climb up the rankings a little bit more with, of course, those much more generous ranking points on offer at a Grand Slam. Uh, That concludes our little bit of a, a recap on last week, Munich and Estoril, two good tournaments, but... Really, we're looking at the meat on the bones now as we move into Madrid and, of course, the Rome Masters following it. Um, So just to run through our draw predictions, we're going to rattle through our quarterfinals, maybe a little bit of... uh, uh, backlog of who we've got to to, to win it um, to, to reach the last eight. Um, I know this is a tournament we've been excited for for a little while since the little gap in in between Monte Carlo. Obviously, Barcelona and Belgrade, Munich and Estoril have been some nice little starters, but we are really into the big time now. And uh, who's making the last eight for you? Okay, well, uh, I have started my first quarterfinal Um Always feels like a bit of a risk to go for this player, um, especially after the loss to Ilya Ivashka last week. Um, as we said on the last podcast, um, you know, Ivashka is playing very well. So, you know, maybe not like, take it away from him too much. But I have got Alexander Zverev to reach the quarterfinal, beating Kei Nishikori in the second round, which will be a very tough match. The reason why I've gone for Zverev more than Nishikori um, Zverev obviously getting a bye through the first round, whereas Nishikori does have a tough match today against Karen Hatchinoff. Hatchinoff has been quite hit and miss of late, of late and, and perhaps more miss than hit. Um, but, you know, a, a player who at this level uh, can be very dangerous. We've seen him have, you know, f- for me, one of the, the best weeks of tennis I think I've probably seen anyone have on the ATP tennis, uh, on the ATP tour when uh, Karen Hatchinoff won the Paris Masters quite a few years ago now. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. It is a match I've got Nishikori to win, but um, I've just gone for Zverev to win that second round match because uh, I, I feel like there is every chance Nishikori might not make it. Um, I've also got Zverev to come through the third round against Dan Evans, who I've uh, put to have a little run uh, to beat Jeremy Shardy, which he did yesterday in a, in a marathon match, actually. Um, losing the first set on a tie break, then winning a, a second set on a tie break, 9-7. Um, before, oh, no, sorry, I'm, I'm reading this score the wrong way around. Evans winning the first tie break, uh, then losing the second tie break, 9-7, and, and winning the last one, 6-2, much more comfortable for the Brit. And then I've got the Brit to beat uh, Hubert Herkash, the... Uh, was it Miami champion, I think, um, 
and I think Evans beat him in Monte Carlo or uh, certainly recently on the clay. Uh, so for me, Evans does have to go into that uh, slightly favourite uh, her cash playing Milman today. I've got Zverev to face Nadal. Um, Nadal, two very exciting first matches. I've got him to face uh, Carlos Alcaraz, who he will be facing. He came through very convincingly against Adrian Manorino, 6-4, 6-love yesterday, the 17-year-old, uh, to face presumably his idol uh, in the second round against Nadal. And then I've got Nadal to face Yannick Sinner in the third round. So I think uh, that will be a first meeting for them uh, on... No, no, at the French Open they, they met, didn't they? Of course, that was who Sinner ended up going out to. Um, but it would be their first meeting since then, I'm, I'm fairly certain of saying... Um, to see how that goes. Um, next quarterfinal, Dominic team to face Andre Rublev. Uh, team obviously coming back from a bit of an injury, but I don't really see too many people in his section of the group draw that I can see beating him. He's going to be facing Marcos Giron uh, tomorrow, I believe, uh, who, who came for a very tough match against uh, Pablo Andahar uh, yesterday. Uh, and then beyond that, it's either Alex Demon or Lloyd Harris. Uh, Rublev, a bit more of a tougher draw. Um, should be Tommy Paul, I think that's today. Uh, and then a potential third round match against Bautista Agu. Um, definitely one that Rublev could lose. So I have got team to win that quarterfinal, as I feel Rublev's path to that quarterfinal is a, a little bit tougher. Uh, the third quarterfinal, Aslan Karatsev against Stefano Sitsipas, a match that I would definitely be watching. Uh, if it comes to it, a really exciting matchup between these two. Kratsev got through yesterday in straights against Ugo and their tough match uh, coming up against the seventh seed, Diego Schwartzman. Uh, Sitsipas will face uh, either Niklas Bazilashvili or Benoit Pair tomorrow, and they've got a, a tough match against Krajinovic. But I have actually got Sitsipas to run through to the final. I'm very much hoping that I can see Sitsipas and Nadal again. Uh, two amazing matches between those two this year. And then the last quarterfinal, disappointingly, is already off the cards for me. It was uh, going to be Pablo Krenubusta against Christian Garin, who I have to beat. Medvedev Garin definitely could still make it there. Uh, Krenubusta having a disappointing loss yesterday after winning the first set to Federico Delbonis. And I had Krenubusta to make the semi final. So um, unfortunately, that's a little bit of a, a line of red on my tour already. Uh, on my tour, on my uh, draw already. So uh, yeah. And then, yeah, just looking forward, as I say, uh, Nadal beats its pass in the final. Uh, and yeah, I'll pass over to you. Yeah, so one difference in that top uh, quarterfinal, I've got Kane Ishikori instead of Alexander Zverev. I think Nadal versus Sinner in the, in the uh, what that be, third round could be extremely close. Um, you know, that, that match at the French Open, Sinner really should have taken the first set and ended up uh, losing it on a tiebreak, I think it was. And then obviously Nadal taking it in, in straights, didn't drop a, uh, a set in the in the whole tournament that uh, back then. So I think Sinner, yeah, could could really test Nadal. Uh, then, yeah, Nishikori Hachinov, I think, is a very, probably the pick of the first round, really, in terms of matchups. Um, but I, I'd back whoever would win that to beat Alexander Zverev, to be honest. I do not think he's playing well at all at the moment. I think even Dan Evans would be a tough test for him if he was to make it there. Uh, the second quarterfinal, same as you team against Rublev, although I do have Rublev pro to progress to the semi-final in this one. I think Alex Dimonor could be an interesting test for Dominic team if that one uh, does materialise in the third round. Um, and yeah, I think Rublev, 
RBA will be a tough test along the way, but I think maybe just the uh, sort of familiarity and, and, and match fitness might be a little bit better than teams. Um, although I expect the Austrian player to be sort of, I, I don't expect him to be underprepared for this. I think he wouldn't have entered the tournament if he wasn't feeling close to 100% fresh. Then that third quarter final, same as you, Karatsev sits a pass, should be an interesting one. Obviously, Karatsev's got to get past Schwarzman and then one of Denis Shapovalov and Alexander Bublik, who played a really good match to, to knock out Martin Fuchovitz uh, in the first round yesterday. So that could be a, an interesting pathway, which I'm, I'm sure will throw up some, some good matches. And yeah, sits a pass. I've got him to beat Basilashvili and Felix Auger Ali Asim on the way to that quarter final. Uh, and then at the bottom of the draw, I've got Matteo Berrettini, who I think. Could make the semi-final here. He's got quite a nice quarter. Uh, I've got Fabio Fonini, who beat uh, Carlos Taberna yesterday in, in three sets, which was quite a good match. Taberna obviously knocking out Lorenzo Massetti in qualifying, which uh, came as a bit of a surprise. I'm a little disappointed not to see Massetti sneak into the draw as a lucky loser or anything, so I'm not going to see him at all this week. Um, yeah, then I've got him to beat Taylor Fritz and Christian Garin in this quarterfinal to make the semi-final. I have to say I'm feeling a little bit hasty about my Garin to the last eight prediction. I know he beat Fernando Vadasco yesterday in straight sets, but you couldn't have really asked for a more kinder first round draw. I think Dominic Kerper in the next round and then either Alejandro Davidovich Fokina or Daniil Medvedev in the third round might be his undoing. You know, he's not playing very well at the moment, obviously going out to Cameron Norrie and Estoril last week. Um, but yeah, so my final is Nadal Sitsipas, the same to you. I did not have the guts to uh, go against Rafael Nadal, although, as I said last episode, I don't see him winning both Madrid and Rome. Um, it's just hard to pinpoint where I see that loss falling. Um, so yeah, hopefully Sitsipas is, is confidence and, and the excellent level that he showed over the last few weeks can carry him through here. And uh, yeah, I'm sure it would be a very entertaining final, just as it was in Barcelona. Uh, if this one does materialise. So Nadal to beat sits a pass for me. Um, any reaction? Obviously you, you, uh, you pick out Karatsev versus sits a pass. It was what could be a really enjoyable quarterfinal. I completely agree with that. That would be definitely one to watch. I think Nadal Sinner is up there for me as in, as in matches, uh, sort of before the quarterfinal stage and at the quarterfinal stage that could come to pass would be a really exciting watch. And of course, Dominic team versus Andre Rublev, if that quarterfinal does materialise, I think we'd, we'd learn a lot about where teams at in terms of progressing towards the French Open there. So yeah, some, some really exciting matchups going to happen this week. And um, yeah, going to be interesting to see if anyone can knock Nadal off his perch. Yeah, I think I'm looking forward to all of those matches you mentioned. The other one I'd really pick out and, it, you know, it could end up being a very one-sided match, but I'd just be interested to see how they fare against each other. Is Nadal against Carlos Alcaraz tomorrow? Um, there is 118 places between them in the rankings. Um, but I, I think it's always interesting to see someone, uh, a 17-year-old, especially from the same country as, as what, is it 34-year-old Nadal? Yeah, 34-year-old Nadal. Um, that's, that's half the age. Um, and presumably Alcaraz would have been growing up watching Nadal, um, you know, wow, everyone on the courts. Um, so he probably knows his game very well, whereas Nadal, well, you probably assume would know Alcaraz's game very well. Perhaps Alcaraz has even been up through Nadal's academy. I'm, I'm not sure about that. But um, 
this, I think, is a match that I would quite like to watch tomorrow. Um, if, if I get the time, obviously, um, you know, final year uni stuff is all going to take a little bit priority over the Madrid Masters at the moment, unfortunately. Um, but, um, yeah, I, th this match would be really exciting. And I'm, I'm not giving Alcaraz a chance of winning, but I think I'm giving him a chance of really disrupting, uh, I, I think, maybe... Nadal for a little bit, perhaps he could just get a break of serve somewhere along the line. And I think if we see Nadal looking a bit rattled at any point in that match, uh, I think that'll be a bit of a win for Alcaraz. I think out of the, the big three, uh, Nadal does fear the young guys coming up the most. I think it's fair to say he's made comments before. Um, uh, prior to the Sitzpass Barcelona final, he sort of was making comments about how he was a little bit worried Sitzpass was the man to sort of knock him off. Um, whether it was all sort of mind games and that, you know, it, we don't really know. But um, I, I do think it gets to Nadal a bit more than Djokovic and Federer. Um, just sort of the losing, I think he, he can take it a bit harder at times, and especially Madrid on clay, um, a tournament that Nadal, you know, has no doubt had loads of success at. Um, this match for me is is really interesting. I will go for Nadal in straights, of course, but um, I think if you've got Amazon Prime and uh, you've got a, a spare spare a few fair, spare hour or two tomorrow, um, watch this match because we could really be seeing one of the the stars of the future. And and I've got I've got a good feeling that he might test Nadal a little bit. He, he might take him deep into to one of or two of the sets. Yeah, it will be one hell of an occasion for sure, I think. What we don't want to see is a 6-1, is 6-1 a to Nadal or something like that. We don't want any demoralisation, uh, although the, the Spaniards' ruthless nature might might, might come around. Um, yeah, it should be a really interesting match and a great occasion for the 17-year-old Alcaraz, which, of course, you know, I'm 100% sure we're going to see in the top 100 by the end of the year and definitely a lot of in years to come. Um, so I think that brings the end of our preview of Madrid. We've just given you our predictions there and a little recap of, of last week's events. Uh, we'll be back later on in the week. We try and make sure we're uh, sort of ahead of the semi-final stage, um, obviously with, within our respective uh, work and, and, and time schedules. Um, so yeah, whenever that should fall by the, by the end of this week, probably towards the weekend we should be back with another episode but yeah that concludes this episode thanks for joining me michael thank you very much as always and uh to everyone out there in, enjoy the tennis this week <laughs>